series, once again, is the word of God revealed because God has revealed his word to us. That, that was in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, 1 verse, verse 10, 1 Corinthians 2, 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his spirit. Past tense, God has revealed. That's why you have the new covenant, the new testament. It's the revealed word. See, I can't go back and teach you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as doctrine. I can teach you Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but not as doctrine. Okay, you wasn't saved in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You were saved because of Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. So 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10. But God has revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. All right, so we are in some deep things right now because we are talking about how is a man made right with God. All right. Now, but let's go to Hebrew first. We're going to show you that in Hebrew chapter six. This is what we talked about last week. Uh, I'm not going to spend any time here because uh, I may have to end up doing some more teaching in this area. But Hebrew chapter six, the whole thing is therefore leaving. Leaving what? Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to perfection, not land again. The foundation of, watch this, repentance. See, that's what people are still trying to take you through. From dead works, from faith towards God. Go on. Doctrine of baptisms, because that's what people are still teaching. Laying on our hands, resurrection of the dead, eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. So he said, look, go on. That's what he told the Hebrews. If they were going to get to perfection, they had to go on. Now, they could not get to perfection by the Leviticus priesthood. Let me show you those two verses. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 11. Therefore, if therefore perfection were by the Leviticus priesthood, if, but it was not. He said, because under the, under, under the Leviticus priesthood, the people received the law. What further need was there? that another priest should arise after the order of Melchizedek and not after call after the order of Aaron. So under the Leviticus priesthood, you could not get perfection. We're talking about righteousness now. That's what perfection is in the Bible. And, and, and then in Hebrews 7, 19, it says, for the law made nothing perfect. Now you got to be honest with yourself because water baptism is of the law circumcision of the law, foot wash of the law, animal sacrifice of the law, all those things under the law. And yet God says, and Passover, all those stuff was under the law. He said the law made nothing perfect. But the brain in of a better hope did, talking about Christ, by which we draw nigh to God. So it told you right there you could not be perfected or made righteous by that stuff. Okay? So, but we are talking about how is a man made perfect with God. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 5.21, just one verse. And we're going to show you what God did. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. For he has made him, I'm reading out the King James. God has made Christ to be sin for us who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Isn't that something? He has made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. So, Heavenly Father, we pray. We thank you now for your giving us your Holy Spirit. We thank you for making us righteous before your eyes. We thank you for declaring us righteous through the death, burial, and resurrection of your Son, if we put our faith and our trust in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. And we thank you for that now. We ask you to speak to our audience this day in Jesus' name. We give you all the praise and all the glory. In the name of our Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. Now, we want to also show you some, some these things God has already showed us. So we, we went through, we showed you. Look at Galatia. Let me show you one of Galatia chapter 2 quickly. Galatia chapter 2, verse 21. Galatia 2, 21 says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. The word frustrate means reject. Refuse. See, that's what so many people are doing. To hold on to their religion, their tradition, they are rejecting the grace of God. 
But Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. I do not reject, I do not refuse the grace of God. Because if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Christ is dead in vain. All right, so we know, we know he did not die in vain. His death was not in vain. All right, now, let's get into the word of the Lord because we got a long ways to go. You have to get this morning teaching. I'm going to be con connecting information with this morning teaching. I told you this morning in Romans chapter 5, and I showed you, uh, let's go to 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Romans chapter 5, I'm sorry. I showed you in Romans chapter 5 the obedience of one man. That's where we were this morning, the obedience of one man. Now you have to understand that teaching. Hopefully, maybe God may let me do it so I can run it all the way from Genesis, from Adam all the way down to Christ, because that's a spiritual thing in the old covenant that everything had to be because of one man. One man can mess it up <laughs> in the Old Testament. Uh, and then that's what happened. That's why we have Romans 5, 19. It says, for as by one man disobedience, one man disobedience, many were made sinners. So the Bible told us how we were made sinners. I gave you that this morning in the book of Genesis chapter 2. Adam ate of the tree of neither good and evil. God said, the day you eat the herb, you shall surely die. Adam died spiritually, separation from God. That's what spiritual death is, separation from God. But he didn't die physically until later. That's why we have uh, the, the Genesis chapter 5, we have the geneal genealogy of Adam. Okay, so we know that he did not die spiritually. So when you read Genesis chapter number 5, you will see this is the book of the generation of Adam. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1 in the day that God created man, in the, in, in the likeness of God made he him, male and female created he them, and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. And Adam lived, here it is, 130 years, and begat sons in his own likeness, after his image, and called his name Seth. So Adam lived 130 years, and begat a son in his own likeness, after his image, and call his name Seth. Now, we're talking about after he had Cain and Abel. And the, and the days of Adam, after he had begotten Seth, there it is, were 800 years, and he begat sons and daughters. So we, we know Adam lived a long time. So we, we are saying that because Adam died. The day he ate of the tree of neither good and evil, he died spiritually. So Adam died to death. Now that's a teaching that's going to come forth maybe next week. Because that's why we had to know about Adam to death. He died spiritually and he died physically. Now because Adam died physically and then, I'm sorry, spiritually and died physically, then he had to be saved. Now when Christ came, Christ had to now die to death. And so we're going to hopefully show you that, if God let me do that next week, show you how Christ had to die to death, because Adam died to death. And then I'm going to have to show you that that's why water baptism, and that's why I keep telling you all this other stuff can't do you no good, because it can't give you spiritual life. You see, you got to have, understand that it's all about eternal life. And water baptism can't give you eternal life. You can't take a physical water and give you eternal life. See, so you, you, you missed it. You just have to accept that you missed it. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's not going to be the first time, not going to be the last time. All right, now, watch this. Romans 5, 19. For by one man disobedience, Adam. Many were made sinners. That's how we were made sinners, through Adam. All right, my question is, how is a man made right with God? That's my teaching. How is a man made right with God? All right, here we go. By the obedience of one man, Jesus Christ, many shall many be made righteous. So he said, many shall be made righteous. Okay, if, they're going, if we're going to be made righteous, you got to know how to be made righteous. He didn't tell you there how to be made righteous. He said, you're going to be made righteous. So if you're going to be made righteous, you've got to find out how you're going to be made righteous. Now, we showed you, first of all, I'm going to show you the obedience of one man and how Christ obeyed the Father. And we're going to pick that up in Philippians chapter 
2. In the book of Philippians chapter 2, we're going to show you that Jesus Christ obeyed the Father. This is how you got your salvation. You give glory to the Lord who deserve all the glory. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 4 says, Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, that word servant means slave, and was made in the likeness of men. And the Bible said, being found in fashion as a man. When he, when he was realized that he was a man, the Bible said he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Now, it's an awesome thing when he found out in the book, the Bible said in the volume of the book, it is written. He had to find out in the word of God who he is. Now, isn't that something? He found out that I'm the son of God. And now it's in the book that I got to die. And the Bible said he obeyed. He became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. What an awesome thing to know that Jesus Christ found out that he had to die. That's why he kept telling these people who he was and what's going to happen to him. And then he said, but on the third day, I'm going to rise again. He knew in the scripture what he was going to have to do. And he obeyed the Father, even the death, and the Bible said, even the death on the cross. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Philippians 2 and verse 8. Wherefore, in verse 9, wherefore God also has highly exalted him, giving him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, every things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father, like Joseph. So you know the story of Joseph, that is a complete story of Joseph fulfilled. All right, so let's move on, because I want, I, want I want to take you to some things now. Uh, we're going to go to Hebrew chapter uh, 9 again, and we're going to start reading with verse number 14, then we're going to get into our message today. Hebrew chapter 9 and verse 14. Now you remember, I told you, in, in Hebrew chapter 6, it talks about dead works. Let's show you how you got away from dead works. Because Hebrew chapter number 6, that's what God called water baptism now. Foot washing, circumcision, animal sacrifice. That's dead works. All over just dead works. They don't work no more. They dead. All right. But Hebrew chapter 9 and verse number 14, the Bible says, I'm, 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 going, I'm going to start reading with verse uh, 14. Much more, how much more shall the blood of Christ, that's what it's all about now, the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offer himself without spot to God. Watch what he did. Purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Now we're going to get into the conscience. We're going to show you how with the conscience clear. How was the conscience clear? See, when God saved you, made you righteous, he had to cleanse your conscience. Cleanse our conscience from dead works. Because that's where sin was in the conscience. Dead works, all dead works. Remember what Jesus says, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's another word for the conscience. From the, bottom, from the, from the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts. See, all of this stuff that people in people's lives is in their hearts. So that's what God got to do. He got to give you a new heart. In the old covenant, David said, create me a clean heart. But the key was create in me. You got to be a new creation. All right. Now watch this. Hebrew 9.14 again says, how much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal spirit off himself without spot to God. Watch what he did. He purged our country from dead works to serve the living God. What an awesome God we serve. Uh, you know, that's, that's why I'm so grateful uh, to the Lord. He, he, he delivered us. He saved us. Uh, he washed us. 
Now, let me show you what he did in his own blood. Look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 4. See, you got people giving the inf- give, putting all the emphasis on baptism and all this stuff and foot washing. And nobody want to preach what Christ did. Preach Christ. What did Christ do? Revelation chapter 1. Uh, in verse number 1, said, The revelation of Jesus Christ was God gave to John to show unto his servant things which must shortly come to pass. And yet people 2,000 years ago don't think it come to pass yet. Shame on you. And then in verse number, and he sent and he signified about his angel to his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. And of all things that he saw, blesses he that readeth and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. Don't drop your cup for the time is at hand. 2,000 years ago, you don't think it happened yet? Shame on you. Verse number four, John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, which is to come, and even from the seven spirits which are before his throne. Watch this. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the first, now this is very important because we get ready to get into some stuff here. The first begotten from the dead. The first begotten from the dead. Well, we want to look at this term because if Jesus is the first begotten from the dead, then that means that we should know something about Jesus Christ. He is the first begotten. Now, everything you want to see about first, you're going to see that's Jesus Christ. Everything about first, we're going to know that's all about Jesus. Everything you want to talk about as being first is going to be about Jesus Christ himself. He is the firstborn. He is the first begotten. We're going to show you all those terms. Everything that have to do with the word first, we're going to show you that's all about Jesus Christ. He is the first. Okay? So we're going to be able to, to look into that and to see all that, hopefully, this service. We're going to deal with the word condemn. We're going to deal with the word condemnation. See, all these words we're going to be dealing with. Everything in this Bible is about one man, and his name is Christ Jesus the Lord. Amen? All right. Now, we're going to be looking at the word conscience. We're going to be looking at the word condemnation. All right. Now, Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 again. Verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, first begotten from the dead, first begotten, first begotten. That's very important. He is the first begotten from the dead. Now, there's a lot of first that we're going to be able to look at, but we're going to show you everything have to do with him. We're going to look at 1 Corinthians 15, uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Uh, we're going to write them down. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. And then we're going to look at uh, Colossians 1, 18. See, all these will tell you about him being first, okay? So here we see he is the first born. Ephesians, I'm sorry, Revelation 1 and 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the first begotten of the dead. So he's the first one that was raised from the dead. He's the prince of the kings of the earth. Unto him that loved us and washed us, watch this, from our sins in his own blood. Now, if Jesus Christ washed us, and he did, from our sins in his own blood, then why would you think man could be washed from sins by water baptism? Can't you hear the difference? See, that's why I keep saying it's a lie from hell. Jesus Christ washed you from your sins. Don't let nobody ever tell you that. Everything came through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me show you one more. Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. Revelation 3, 14. Unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things says the our man, the faithful and true witness. Watch this. The beginning of the creation of God. What an awesome thing. He just told us in Revelation chapter number 1 and verse 5, he's first, the first begotten from the dead. Now he's telling you he's the beginning of the creation of God. What an awesome thing. The beginning of the creation of God. Well, let's go over and see what he got in Colossians. Chapter 1, shall we? 
Colossians chapter 1, going to start reading verse 12. Giving thanks to the Father, which has made us to meet to be partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has passed in, translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption. That word redemption means forgiveness of sins. We have forgiveness of sin, watch this, through his blood, even the forgiveness of sin. So we got forgiveness of sin, but it's through the blood of Christ. That's not what people are telling you. You look at that verse, people are not telling you that your sins are forgiven through the blood of Christ. They are telling you when you get water baptized, your sin will be forgiven. Shame on you, shame on you. That's why Jesus said, all that come before me are thieves and robbers. Because it was Jesus who forgave your sins. Jesus died for your sins. And yet people will tell you, you get your sins forgiven. That's why people do. People, I mean, this kind of stuff, you watch them. They'll go and confess their sins on Saturday and they'll go Sunday and take communion. Well, you confess your sins as a weekly basis. And then you take communion on Sunday. If you don't go there on Saturday, confess your sin, then you can't take communion on Sunday. That's how the church do. The church have to be, you watch the church. More people go to church on the first Sunday than any Sunday of the month. Why? Because they can go and take communion to get rid of their sins. Shame on you. When you say you're a believer in the death, bed, and resurrection of Christ, and you don't even know why Christ died. What an awesome thing. Let me show you, let me show you why he died. Let me show you why I died. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Let me read this to you. 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. Moreover, brothers, I, will, I always read this at the end, but I want to read this now. 1 Corinthians 15 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if... You keep in, keep in memory what I preach to you. Paul is the author of the New Testament. This is how he was saved. And yet he said, keep in memory what he preached to us. Watch what he says. Unless you believed in vain. How did we get saved, Paul? Paul said, I deliver to you first of all that which I also receive. Listen. The man is telling you how he was saved. How Christ died for our sins. Well, how did Christ die for our sins? He died on the cross, didn't he? Christ died on the cross. That's how he died. Christ was sacrificed for us. The father sacrificed his son on the cross for you to be saved. And people will tell you, you got to be water baptized to get saved. Can't you see that's a lie? Those are robbers. Those are thieves. The Bible called them enemies of the cross. 1 Corinthians 15. Paul said, I deliver to you, verse 3. First of all, that which I also received, how Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And then in verse 4, he said he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Christ's death, burial, resurrection, is all for your salvation. Let me show you one. Look at uh, Romans 4.25. Let me show you something. See, if you believe in a lie, the enemy has deceived you. Romans chapter number 4. And let's look at verse number 25. Romans 4.25. Just want to make sure you get there. Verse 25 says, who was delivered to my Christ, he was delivered for our offenses. But he was raised for our justification. Let, let me read this out of the NLT. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25. See, if anybody, anybody deceive you, it's not going to be my fault. Because you didn't turn this broadcast on just to turn it on. And you could be believing in water baptism for salvation. But watch what the word says. So are you going to believe the word or are you going to believe your religion? Romans 4.25 says, 
He was handed over to die because of our sins. Christ was handed over to the Roman soldier to be, to be killed and to the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes to be killed for our sins. And he was raised to life to make us right with God. Do you hear what I just said? He was raised to life to make us right with God. Let, let, me, let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I want to go down and read two verses for you. And that's number 14 and verse number 17. Romans chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And I want to, I want to start reading verse 12. 1 Corinthians 15, 12. You want to make sure you get your Bible. He says, I'm reading out the NLT. But tell me this. Since we preach that Christ rose from the dead, why are some of you saying there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, Christ has not been raised. And then all our preaching is useless. And your faith is useless. And we apostles would all be lying about God for we, for we have said that God raised Christ from the dead, from the grave. But that can't be true if there's no resurrection of the dead. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. Watch this. If and if Christ has not been raised, verse number 17, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of sins. Listen, if God did not raise Jesus from the dead, you are still guilty of sins. Had nothing to do with the water baptism. Had to do with Christ's death, bed, and resurrection. Verse 18 says, um, uh, and verse 17 says, if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sin. You are still in sin. If God didn't raise Jesus from the dead, you are stealing your sin. The only way God can get rid of the sins, he had to bury the body of sin. Listen, let me show you what happened. Let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 53. Let's show you what happened. See, people in your church may not be preaching Christ. They're preaching water baptism and foot washing and everything else trying to get it done. But it's not going to get it done. You got to preach Christ. There's no power in your church if you don't preach Christ. Isaiah 53. I'm reading out the NLT. It says, who has believed our message? This is what Isaiah is asking. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? Who has, it re who, who has revealed it? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? This is an awesome thing. Watch what it says. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant grew up to my Christ in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him, because this is how he was when he was about to die. The Bible says he was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We turn our backs on him and then look the other way. That's what Israel did. That's what you're doing today when you said baptism saved you. You're turning your back on God's son. They turned their backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised. We esteemed him not. Didn't care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sins he carried. It was our sorrows he carried. It was our sins and our sorrow that weighed him down. And he thought his trouble was, and, and, and we thought his trouble was a punishment from God. A punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be made whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Do you understand? Jesus took everything from the Father and he did not deserve. He was wounded for our transgression. He was bruised for our sins. And then the Bible says, all of us like sheep now have gone astray. We have left God's path to follow going our own way. 
Yet the Lord laid on him, watch this, the sin of us all. Think about it. For God to lay on one man the sins of the whole world. That's why it's called the cross. He was oppressed. He was treated harshly. Yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep in silence before his shearers. He did not even open his mouth. Unjustly condemned. He was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants. That his life was cut short in main, in midstream. <coughs> Excuse me. But the Bible says, but he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He has done no wrong. Never deceived anyone. But he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. But the Bible said, but the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. It was the Lord's plan to crush him and cause him grief. Why? Because when his life is made an offering for sin, his soul was made an offering for sin. God put his son on the cross with our soul in him. The soul of all men he represented. And the Bible says his life, his soul was made an offering for sin. And the Bible said he would have many descendants now. He would enjoy a long life. The Lord's good plan would prosper in his hand. When we see all that is accomplished by his anguish, he would be satisfied. And because of God's ex his experience, many righteous servants will make it possible. God, that's what did. God made us righteous through Christ's death. For many to be counted righteous, that's what, why did God did it. So he can count us righteous. For he will bear all their sins. Just think again. Christ died for all our sins. He carried all our sins. Now, Father says, I will give him the honor of a victorious soldier. Because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many. And he also interceded for the rebellious. What a God we serve. What a God we serve. What a Lord we serve. Gave himself, died for us. And all we have to do is give him the praise and the glory and the honor. So when you turn around and say, oh yeah, I was saved because I've been water baptized. Do you see what you're saying? The father sent his son to die for our sins. And yet we'll sit and say, yeah, because I got water baptized, so I got saved. You think about it. You think about it. Now, let's look at some other first thing. Go to Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. Romans chapter 8 and verse 29. In verse 20 it says that we know all things. Romans 8, 28. Let's start there. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Watch what he says. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be, here it is, the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus Died and buried and raised again from the dead so he could be the firstborn among many brothers. He's the first begotten from the dead. He's the, he's the beginning of the creation of God. The new creation. Let's look at some more. This stuff is so good. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 20. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 20. What an awesome verse. 
1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But now Christ is risen from the dead, here it is, and become the first fruits of them that slept. See, if you read this, you got to understand Christ is the first fruits of them that slept. So the resurrection of the dead, watch this, began with Jesus Christ. We think it's in our future. No, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he started the resurrection. Let me read this out of NLT, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. Oh, I'm so glad you're there. Look at 1 Corinthians 15. See, the key is, you got to know the words. When he is the first fruits. So the first fruit was the beginning. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 20. Let's start verse 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, out of the NLT. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. Verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Here it is. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Christ is the first of a great harvest of all that have died. Well, if Christ is the first of the harvest, then the harvest had begun. Don't drop the cup. Don't drop the cup. I'm going to go into King James. I'm coming right back to that verse. Let's go to King James and let's go to the Gospel of St. Matthews. Now, if Christ is the first of the harvest, let's go to Matthew chapter number 13. Now, you probably heard people say, oh, yeah, send me an offering uh, for I can uh, get the harvest of souls in. Listen, harvest is not for that. Let me show you what the definition of the word harvest. Matthew chapter 13. Now, I'm coming back to 1 Corinthians 15 out of the NLT that told us Christ is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Now, remember... We're talking about 2,000 years ago. All those believers that have died that 1 Thessalonians was talking about. Christ was the first fruit of all them that slept. So if he's the first fruit, then he was the beginning of harvest. It was the beginning of harvest. Why is that so important? See, if you understand harvest, you understand Boaz, you understand Ruth. It was the beginning of harvest. So in, in, in Matthew chapter number 13, we're going to show you something. In Matthew chapter 13, that's called the parable of the sower. But I'm not going to deal with the sower. I'm going to deal with the, the wheat and the tares. Now, he's going to explain the wheat and the, wheat and the tares. Let's go to uh, verse 24. Matthew 13, 24. I'm going to read this out of the King James. Another pair put he forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a man that sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat. He went his way, but when the blade was sprung up, and he brought forth and brought forth, then appeared the tares also. So the servant of the householder came and said to him, Sirs, did that not sow good seed in your field? From whence then has it tares? He said to them, an enemy had done this. The servant said to him, Will thou then that we go and gather up, gather them up? But he said, No, no. Lest while we gather up the tares, you root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together, watch this, until the harvest. So when Jesus rose from the dead, it was the beginning of harvest. Don't drop your cup. He says, let them both grow together until the harvest, and in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers. So if I go right now to Revelation chapter 4, 14, guess what he's doing? Talking to the reapers. See, everything Jesus fulfilled for us, Israel, was in the book of Revelation. Watch what it says. He says, 
I will say, let them both go together into the harvest. In the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather you, gather you together first the tails and bind them in bundles to be burned, but together the wheat into my bun. Now let's go over to verse 34 and see what this means. All these things spake unto the multitude in parable, Jesus says, but without a parable spake he not unto them, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophet, saying, I would open my mouth in parables. I would order things which have been kept secret, watch this, from the foundation of the world. Then Jesus sent the multitude away, went into the house. His disciples came to him saying, declare to us the parable of the tales of the field. It, don't drop the cup. Jesus answered and said to them, verse 37, he that sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Now you got to understand if you're going to get this stuff, you got to put these words down. You have to keep them in the word. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. But the tales are the children of the wicked one. Now he's going all the way back to Cain now. Because he shows you, first God started out with Adam, and then you had Cain. And see, he's going on down. He shows you the enemy done this because Cain is the child of the devil. He, he's bringing it all to you. And now the children that are going to kill Jesus, guess who they are? The children of Cain. To fulfill how they killed, uh, in the beginning, Cain killed Abel. Now Jesus now is the fulfillment of Abel. And they are in the field. Boy, this stuff is so good. See, Cain and Abel, when Cain killed Abel, they were in the field. Let me just hold your Bible. Let's, let's go to work. Let's go, let's go back and show you. See, all this is just laying out here, but you got to have the wisdom of God. So we go back to Genesis chapter 4. Genesis chapter 4. You got Cain and Abel. The Bible says, and Adam knew his wife, knew Eve his wife, and she bare uh, Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare her brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the, of the ground. In process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the first fruit, first of the ground, an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the first thing of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect to Abel and to his offering. Now remember, Abel was a type of Christ. Unto Cain and to his offering, he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you, why are you wroth? Why is your countenance falling? If thou doest well, thou shalt not, if thou doest well, shall thou not be accepted? And if thou doest well, if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother, it came to pass, watch this, when they were in the field. Now remember, this was a real field. But now Jesus is going to tell you what the field is. The field is the world. We're going to go back to that in a moment. But Cain was in the field. Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. What did he kill him at? In the field. Now, if you go back to Matthew chapter 13. Now, let's look at this, explain this parable of the tales. Now, in verse 37, Matthew 13, 37. He asked and said to them, He that sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. Remember, God so loved the world. He gave his only begotten son. Remember that Christ came into the world to save sinners? See, what happened is now he came into the world to save man, and man is going to kill him. See, the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Verse 39. The enemy that sold them is the devil. Don't drop your cup. The harvest is the end of the world. Let that sink in. The harvest is the end 
of the world. Now, if the harvest is the end of the world and Jesus is the first fruit of them that slept, when Jesus rose from the dead, it was the beginning of harvest. Let me go back and read it again. Let's go back and read it again. Now in 1 Corinthians 15, in the NLT, and verse 20, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Verse 21, so you see, just as death came into the world through a man, Adam, now the resurrection of the dead has begun 2,000 years ago, has begun throughout another man, has begun through another man, Jesus Christ. Just as every man, just as everyone dies because we belong to Adam, everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to the resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Oh my God. Oh my God. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Then all who belong to Christ will be raised when he come back. Now you got to see, this is what people mess it up at. Christ began the resurrection 2,000 years ago. Why would he wait 2,000 years later to go back and get the rest of the harvest? Why? Doesn't make sense, does it? You're right, it doesn't make sense because it's not in your future. Jesus came back just like Moses came back. See, Jesus was a fulfillment of Moses. Look at Moses' timeline. Moses was born in Egypt. Jesus was born in Egypt. Jesus was born in the world. After he realized who he was, Moses had to leave for 40 years. Then Moses would return. He would live 40 years with his wife. After that, he would become 80 years old. Then at 80 years old, he has to go back into Egypt because now he has to deliver his people. Now, once he brought them out of Egypt through the plagues, you will pick up Jesus' ministry. Jesus Christ gave them miracles after miracles after miracles. The Bible said if it hadn't been written, would be not enough books to record it. God worked plague after plague after plague against the ten gods of Egypt. And then they left Egypt. After Jesus Christ got through the miracles, he died and buried and raised from the dead, they left sin. Now through Jesus' ministry, it was a journey leaving sin, going to grace. So the children of Israel were going to grace just like Moses and the children of Israel was going to the promised land. So that's why they had to be taught the law on the Moses ministry, bring them to this mountain so he could teach them the word. And then they will go off into the wilderness to the promised land so they'll have God's word when they get to the promised land. Same thing would happen with the children of Israel when Paul, they had to get, Jesus was died, buried, and raised again from the dead. Then they would have to go on and to Paul and get taught the word of the Lord from Paul so they can go on to grace. That's why Hebrews chapter 6 said, let us go on to perfection. Let's go on to righteousness. But you know what? They didn't go on. So when you read Hebrews, you'll find out. Let me finish this because I want to at least do Hebrews chapter 10 before we go. It says, verse 21 says, So you see, just as death came upon the world through a man, now the resurrection of the dead has begun, has begun through a, another man, talking about Jesus Christ, just as everyone dies, because we all belong to Adam. Everyone who belongs to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order of the resurrection. Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. 
Now, you don't start in a harvest and wait 2,000 years and wait and go back and get the people that was in the ground. Come on, just think. See, when you go back and you read Thessalonians, he's talking about the people who's in the ground. As a matter of fact, I'll do that right now. Let's do it. Let's go to Thessalonians chapter 4. Because this is what people do. They base their, they base their doctrine on 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Let's read it. I'm going to read out the NLT. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse number 13. And now, Paul is teaching them about the resurrection. And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what would happen to the believers, watch this, who have died. Now, you know what, you know what people do today? They'll read that scripture and they'll add that person right there in that funeral. Listen, your Bible is 2,000 years old. Paul is telling them about people who have died. You can't include the guy today. Well, if you're going to do that, you might as well put 2,000 people who died 2,000 years. You can't do that. Listen to what he says. He says, and now, dear brothers, we're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. Now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will, what will happen to the believers who have died. Now, this was 2,000 years ago. What's going to happen to the people who were following Jesus who have died? Not talking about the people who died today, but people who will take this and try to make it seem like today. People have been deceived. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope, talking about the Gentiles. For since we believe, watch Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 14, for since we believe that Jesus died and was raised, raised to life again, we, 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 Paul is including himself, we also believe that when Jesus returned, he was waiting for Jesus to return. He said when Jesus returned, God will, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. God will bring back. That's what he did. He brought back. You go to the book of Revelation, you will see there say to him, how long? They're going to ask Jesus, how long? Let me see, can I pick that up? I want you to know so bad. Look at Revelation chapter 20, verse 1. They're going to ask Jesus, how long? It's an awesome thing. People not, not giving you the Bible. They're giving you what they've been taught in cemetery. I, I mean in seminary. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 1. Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the keys of the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hands. He seized the dragon, the old serpent who was the devil, saying, Satan, and bound him with chains a thousand years. The angel threw him in the bottomless pit, which he had shut and locked. So Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years was finished. After that, he must be released a little while. Then I saw thrones and people sitting on them had been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of them who had been beheaded. This is not you. I saw the souls of them that had been beheaded for the testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or on their hands. They all came to life again and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is not you. Listen, this is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life until the thousand years had ended. Past tense. Blessed are and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death had no power. But they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. This is not talking about you. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. God will bring back with him the believers who have died. Okay, you can't add somebody just died this week. And verse 15 said, we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living, Paul says, when the Lord returned, listen what Paul says. We who are still living, when the Lord returns, it can't be now, just 2,000 years later. Paul said, we who are still living, when the Lord returns, 
will not meet him ahead of those who have died. Have died, past tense. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a command to shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, he will, a trumpet call of God. First, the Christian who have died, he keep telling you, the ones who have died, not 2,000 years old. You can't pick a letter up 2,000 years old and put your cousin in there. First, the Christians who have died would rise from, the, from their graves. Then together with them, we, we, it can't be you. You're not one of these we's in the Bible. We who are still alive can't be you and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we, come on, you can't be that selfish to think that's you 2,000 years ago. And we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Can't you see this has nothing to do with you? First Corinthians chapter 15. My time is already gone. First Corinthians chapter 15. And verse number 22 says, just as everybody dies, because we all belong to Adam, everyone who belonged to Christ will be given new life. But there's an order to the resurrection. Christ was raised in, as the first of the harvest. Remember, Christ was raised as the first of the harvest. Remember, the harvest is the end of the world. Then all who belong to Christ We'll, raise, we'll be raised when he come back. Talking about 2,000 years ago. After that, the end will come. 2,000 years ago. When he turn, will turn the kingdom over to God the Father, having destroyed every ruler, every authority and power, Christ must reign until he humbles all his enemies beneath his feet. Here's a verse. And the last enemy to be destroyed is death. I got one minute. Timothy, the last enemy, is verse number one. 2 Timothy 1.10. And now he has made all of his plans to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus our Savior. This is 2 Timothy 1.10. He broke the power of death and he eliminated the way of life. He illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. Let me read that out to King James. Then we're done. We're going to read 2 Timothy 1.10. Oh my God, I love it, I love it. 2 Timothy 1 and 10. This word is so good. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 10. Watch what it says. 2 Timothy 1 and 10. But it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He's already brought it to life through the gospel. The Bible said he has already destroyed him. He's already destroyed him who had the power of death. That is the devil. God has already defeated the enemy. Isn't, isn't, that, isn't that some awesome thing to know that what God has already done? Well, now unto king, eternal, immortal, invisible, to the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. And my time is up. Man, it's an awesome thing. The Bible said that he already defeated him. The last enemy that shall be defeated is death. And the Bible told you in Timothy that he has already defeated the devil in Hebrew chapter 2 and him that had the power of death, that is the devil. And the last enemy he has defeated was death. He's already done it. My time is up. I thank you for yours. We, go, we just clap our hands. Thank the Lord for his word. You who are sitting there, I want you to understand something. Christ already died for your sins. He's already been buried. He's already been raised again from the dead. You just can't put your confidence in religion and tradition of men. That is, that is my prayer for you. Don't put your confidence in somebody wash your feet or somebody baptize you in Jesus' name or somebody baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It doesn't matter. Your confidence cannot be in water baptism. Don't ever think that because somebody baptized you, that's going to save you. Christ is the only Savior. 
So you put your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, save my soul from hell. How do you do that? You believe. Christ died for your sins. Do you believe that? Yeah, Pastor, I believe that. I believe he was buried. I believe God raised him from the dead. I believe all that, Pastor. Now receive the Holy Spirit. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit, for saving me. I thank you for making me your son. And thank you for making me righteous. In the precious name and the precious blood of Jesus, our Lord, we pray. All the people that pray. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org. 